0: Welcome to the Max Whittle Podcast, episode 58, and I have a great show for you today with two very special NFL guests. First, a note about the stretch of no posts in this podcast space. It has been a busy time for me, and I'm pleased to announce I'm moving from my lovely flat in North London to Boston for the next 12 weeks to work on more North American sports projects, so hopefully that means more podcasts like today. First up, Matt Forte, the former Chicago Bears and New York Jets running back. Matt was in London last week for the NFL kickoff event at Piccadilly and because the Nike commercial featuring Colin Kaepernick had just been released I thought it wise to speak with Matt about that. It turned out to be a very candid conversation and you're going to discover a lot of truths about what players are actually doing in the community to support Kaepernick's ongoing journey and battle to protect against police brutality of African Americans and other racial injustices in america without further ado here are 20 good minutes with matt forte max whittle at the nfl uk offices glad to be joined by matt forte former running back for the chicago bears and new york jets matt how you doing i'm doing well what's changed for you since you retired in february uh not much i still do a lot of the same
1: stuff i still stay in the gym i'm a gym rat so i stay in the gym and i I still work out and stuff, but I get a lot more free time with the family. I have three kids, uh, seven, five, and and two-and-a-half-year-olds, so stay busy with them. But also, um, I have a foundation, and it's uh, the What's Your Forte Foundation, so I get to work a lot more and get involved more doing that. Um, We mentor young young kids, and we give scholarship money to continue education. And um, we try to fight against gun violence uh, by using opportunities of for education so um staying busy doing that type of thing i'll be uh getting putting on my analyst type of hat this (laughs) year i'll be analyzing uh the bears and doing a post game show in chicago uh, with nbc sports chicago so a lot going on but um also have a lot of free time to do some fun stuff um i've been i've been out to los angeles more this this year this off season than um I ever have been and it's always to like you know film different things or do fun stuff and uh funny stuff uh you might not know it but I do have a little small comedic side to myself so uh, just trying to grow that and you know if any opportunities come along continue to
0: you know do those things I will ask you to tell me a joke at the end of the interview. Test you. I'm glad you're here, though, because Nike just released their promotional campaign with Colin Kaepernick and a few other pl- people. Obviously, what was your reaction when you first saw the video?
1: Oh yeah, I was I was intrigued by the video, but I was um, I was I was proud. You know, I've been a Nike client for the last uh, 10 years while I was playing. Um, my you know contract ended while I was playing. So Nike, you know, if you see this. I need, I need my new deal. Uh, (laughs) Um, but, um, I was proud that they would, you know, step up and and use Colin, um, to be the face of a a campaign to do some good things. Like I said, I have a foundation, um, to do things in the community Mm -hmm. and that's, I mean, Colin's been doing that for, for years, um, going into the community, trying to get people to know their rights, fighting against injustice. Um, And for them to use him, obviously, with everybody in the the flag, um, you know, the the national anthem and saying that, you know, the protests and this type of thing, but, you know, for them to, a lot of companies, they steer away from that type of thing, Mm -hmm. but for them to step up and and use him in the campaign is, is a big step forward to show people, like, you know, we're a big company, yes, and it might be unpopular for whatever reason, but... We you gotta believe in something, and for him, you know he believed in drawing a light to in the attention against injustice and police brutality, and it meant sacrificing basically playing football in the National Football League, and he was totally fine with that. And in life, if you want to do something great, I, I, um, most of the times it's gonna cause you to sacrifice something. To do something great, you it really causes a uh, great sacrifice. Um, you know, to be in the NFL, I had to sacrifice a lot of time, um, you know, having fun with friends and, you know, a lot of things that you might've wanted to do to to prepare and to be a uh, a professional football player. And so if you wanna do something great, um, just like, you know, try to make change in America and, and how people are treated and how people are viewed, uh, the social and economics, uh system, it's going to take you know, great sacrifice, and I respect him for uh, standing on that and being able to um, you know, be strong enough to not be scared to do it and to you know, kind of trailblaze and lead the way in drawing a light and attention to some things that need to be changed in America.
0: You mentioned that he sacrificed his career, and now he's suing the NFL. Do you think the owners have blackballed him?
1: I think so, because he is a talented quarterback, few years back he was in the Super Bowl and led the team there Um, you know there's many quarterbacks in the league that I can point out and say that I believe you know at the least you know he could be a a backup you know type of quarterback you know some people say yeah he's a running quarterback and you have to change your offense and this type of stuff and that but there's a few running quarterback type offenses in the league and you know it wasn't it wouldn't hurt to you know have a guy like that on your team i think that because of you know what he did and people got the wrong impression that you know he was protesting the flag or disrespecting america and that type of thing that wasn't it you know he actually talked with the military vet and he said he actually told him like i would kneel i wouldn't sit down i would to you know he actually told him you know what he thought he should do so you know when people have their opinions or they're uninformed or whatever it is they kind of you know if they don't understand it a lot of times in in life you know we we we're scared of it or we you know we shy away from it or we try to beat it down so um yeah i think i think um he he definitely you know the owners there there was a spot for him on a team mm-hmm. somewhere you know and, and with all 32 teams so um You know, with that being said, they have their reasons and, you know, we'll find out what they were.
0: Donald Trump has reacted on Twitter saying Nike is sending a terrible message and it shouldn't be sent. How would you respond to that?
1: I'd say how? How is that a terrible message to want to change things for the better? You know, his campaign, you know, slogan was make America great again. And if he's trying to draw attention to You know, injustice and police brutality and trying to make that better for where people's lives are impacted in a positive way, then that's the right message I think you want to send. I think um, anytime you're trying to do something positive in the community, that's a great message to send.
0: In September last year, you were with the Jets and you all decided as a team that you would lock arms during the national anthem. I thought you had a great quote. You said, our our locker room looks like America. And what you meant by that, all colors, all backgrounds. Do you think that's the best way that this issue can move forward in a positive?
1: So as a team, we talked about it. And um, there were some people that um, thought we should kneel and some people that thought we should uh, do different things. And we all came up with, we thought, for the, the movement to actually move forward, that we should lock arms as a team, showing unity, where you saw black coaches, white coaches, black players, white players um, from all different black backgrounds uh, all touching and agreeing and locking arms to show unity. And I'm a big believer in what the Bible says, and it says, Where there's unity, God commands a blessing. And so, in order for us to have uh, unity and for um some things to move forward we felt like to show to show some unity uh, among just especially in, with our team that it would relay a, a good message across america like not only are we football players and and that we're teammates but we're we're friends off the field um and we care about each other's families you know we're not just um coworkers. and so we we felt that that was showing the right message and um, you know, I think it's important to use that platform to give off the
0: right message. And when you do something like that personally and you talk about this issue in the public domain, what sort of reactions do you get on social media?
1: Social media, you get a lot of different reactions. Some people, they understand it. Some people, they don't even read into it. They just see what your side is and they take their side. And social media, everybody, as you know probably everybody's a tough guy on social media so they can you know say whatever they want but public reaction um in person is is different you know people you know everybody has different opinions and i think the um problem today is when someone has an opinion that doesn't agree with theirs they get hurt about it or they don't want to be open minded to listening to somebody else's opinion you know i uh i read some of the comments uh on social media and you know I'm open-minded about it and I I hear, you know I'm like that's an interesting point um, that people make but you know when I just try to make them see you know my side of it or or, or how I view it and so um, everybody's not gonna agree on everything everybody's not gonna like you and if everybody does like you that means you've been lying to some people so
0: but what's the worst thing you've heard Let's say Twitter for instance
1: um, you always hear stuff, you know, <laughs> on Twitter. There's, It's like the show Mean Tweets. You know, you always get bad stuff on there and there. People cursing you out or, you know, calling you bad names and different things. But uh, it's just social media. Um, you know, you don't let it bother you. As long as you, as long as I'm a, a person who is doing something, like actively doing something to um, make things better, no matter what it is, um, you know, you can't tell me anything about, me, what kind of person I am or my character, you know, my actions show.
0: The season's begun and Michael Bennett of the Philadelphia Eagles, he didn't stand for the entirety of the National Anthem against the Falcons in the opening game. What's the perfect or the right agreement that the league can make with the Players' Union when it comes to the anthem issue?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the uh, you have the right for peaceful protest and as long as you're doing that, I think you should be able to do whatever it is you want to do as long as it's a peaceful protest. That's what the law is. And, uh, that's what the amendment says. So, um, if he, if he wants to do that, uh, I think he can, I just say, if you're doing that and Michael is doing that, he has a foundation as well where he impacts the community and, and, um, helps children out, does football camps and things of of that sort. Um, it's one thing if you're protesting but you're not doing anything about about it to change things if you are protesting and you're actually doing actively doing something to make make a change then you know it's justified you can you can do that so um what the n f l can do i mean they came out and they said they they support Nike and what they did, and they're open to you know dialogue about um you know what's what's going on in their campaign so Uh, It looks like the NFL is backing Nike, not just because that's their apparel uh, company, but because they believe that if you're really trying to
0: do something to make a positive impact,
1: why would you be against that?
0: Why has it stopped certain football fans or former football fans now not watching the game, especially because most of the time the anthem isn't even televised?
1: It's interesting. It's interesting. I don't know. You know, when I first came into the league, when we came out of the locker room, the the anthem was already over. We never, we never were out there for the anthem. And then uh, it's interesting that, you know, we started to, you know, stand out there every game for the anthem, um, and you know, I I think fans they they uh i guess you know you can be super patriotic or whatever you want to want to call it but you have to understand that when someone is say they they want to protest peaceful protest like how Colin Kaepernick did they're not saying or disrespecting the flag it's not about the flag his his stage the platform of the NFL is so huge he wanted to use that in a way where i can draw attention to changing some things that need to be changed in america in the judicial system and in how we treat each other so um you know i think the the fans you have to you have to educate yourself and in in what's going on and not just take it for surface value where you just see a guy and he, oh, he's protesting I'm, I love America I'm against him You know, we, we live in America we want America to be better and continue to get better in how we treat each other and so it's not that the message is not that hey I live here but I don't like America you know I'm pretty sure everyone that lives in America loves America it's just we want America to be to you know we need, we need more love we need to treat each other better
0: have you spoken to any military personnel yourself?
1: Yes, I have. Um I did actually when I when I went to I went it was just before the protest, but I did a few um USO tours in Germany and they were a lot of Bears fans and they were telling me how they, you know, stay up late to watch the games and all this stuff and uh I have great respect for them. I went to the um infirmary infirmary unit where I spoke with guys who had stepped on IEDs and um we're headed home, um, you know. Amputees and guys who had were burn victims from fighting over overseas for us for our freedom, and so I have the utmost respect for anybody who is in the military or the army or navy and uh, are that you know fight on our behalf over there, and I think they're some of the most courageous and brave people. That we have, uh, as well as police officers. I've done ride-alongs for the first time this past off-season uh, in Chicago. You know, on, on you you may have heard about it, but Chicago has a lot of gun violence that goes on, and so I wanted to do a ride-along with the police officers and see, you know, kind of what they do and, and what their job is, and a lot goes into what they do, and it was very um, revealing and surprising to me and at um, a lot of similarities in how they prepare for their job and how you prepare for your job um, playing football. But they put their lives on the line every day uh, to protect, to serve and protect the community. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's just one thing when the message gets construed. Um, when one cop uh, does something bad, that doesn't mean all cops are bad. Um, when one person in a neighborhood or one color type of person does something and commits a crime, that doesn't mean that person or every, you know, colored person that that's like that um, is a criminal. So, um, you know, like I was saying, um, military uh, and the Army and, and the Navy have the utmost respect for all those, those people. And I've spoken to a couple of guys that actually I went to high school with that uh, once they graduated high school, they went into the Army or the military, and um, I just wanted to get their view on what they thought um, about the protests and and uh, during the national anthem and A lot of them said the same thing they were like, "We understand that um, it 's not about you 're against the flag or against america i 'm um, pretty sure everybody that is has the, the freedoms that they have in America enjoy them." Um, you know, it's like, and they they were saying, you know, they are, they understand why he did it, and that you know it's just a shame when the the message gets messed up, and so um, you know some of any some of them also said they understand you know what the guys are doing, and they said they would they might not have, have knelt, they wouldn't have done that, maybe they would have raised their fists like some people do, mm-hmm. um, like that, but. You know, a lot of them had different opinions, but also at the same time, I think all of them said that they kind of understood, you know, why he took that position.
0: Since the commercial came out, College of the Ozarks, which is a private Christian school in Missouri, has banned all of their uniform sponsored by Nike. What sort of message do you think that sends to the kids there?
1: It's, I mean, it's unfortunate because it's. it's I don't understand. Like, What is what is by banning them to wear Nike going to do just because Nike supports a guy who is trying to improve something in America or draw a light to so that it can be improved? Um, when you have a problem or an issue, no matter what that issue is, and you draw attention to it, you want it to be fixed. And if it's a bad issue or a bad problem, there's nothing wrong with wanting good to be in the world so the message that they're sending is just that uh they're jumping like when you, whenever you your first reaction usually if you don't think about it it, it it's not usually the right reaction if you take a time a, a second to sit back and assess you know everything that's going on you can make you know better decisions but it's unfortunate that they you know feel that way that they won't support Nike just because Nike supports uh Colin Kaepernick and what he wants to do and what he's trying to do in the, in the community, but you know everybody has their own opinion.
0: do you see a positive conclusion to this if it does ever end?
1: I think it's gonna take a lot of work, a whole lot of work, and um I'm all for it. I think as professional athletes, we need to all come together and um you know. I would challenge all professional athletes. Really, um, we've been blessed with a lot of money and a lot of influence um, to do uh, a lot of different things. I think if we all came together, I mean, there's 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 strength in unity, uh, like I was saying. Um, and if we uh, if we all came together for a cause that's outside of ourselves, I think we could make a, a bigger impact and faster impact. Um, you know a lot of people were scared or they just didn't know what to do once um, the Colin Kaepernick, uh, once he he did his protest and some other guys joined the movement and, and stuff. And then, like, now with Nike supporting him, I think some people will feel like they don't have to hide or they don't have to be scared, like, maybe I'll get ostracized or maybe the owners may, you know, release me, I might get fired or anything, um, but there's, there's strength in unity, and I think if everybody from across all the leagues, NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, uh, whatever it is, if we all came together to impact the community, I think we could really, we could really provide better opportunities for certain communities that don't have um, the financial stability or ability to do different things that don't have the resources to educate um their families or the food um that that there's food deserts in america that go around where you know kids can't get healthy food or um food that's actually um that helps them to grow and you know actually benefit their their lifestyle so um I think, you know, if we all really came together to, to do something, we could make a huge impact, but also it wouldn't take such a long time to actually see some some uh, positive motion on it.
0: Matt, I'll leave you with this. Can the NFL and politics coexist?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, they have to, they, they do. That doesn't mean it will be cohesive at the same time. Um, I mean, they've been coexisting for a long time, but, um, you know, when you, when you pull in politics and to professional sports, it's just something that it kind of, they don't, they don't match up too well. And, um, I'm all about truth. I'm not about a lot of politics. It's just, you know, if, if you want to talk about the truth and, and, and do something that's going to help other people then yeah we can do that but um, you know do they do they have to uh, coexist politics and that's the question do they have to coexist politics and professional sports
0: Matt I think a lot of people are going to be interested in what you said today so thank you for your time thank you I was very impressed with Matt Forte and um, we spoke for another 5-10 minutes after this conversation was the record button had gone off um, and he was very honest still uh, about the anthem and about Kaepernick and Nike and he was genuinely proud of what they've achieved and genuinely proud of what Kaepernick has achieved and um, you could see that in the in the interview, you can go and watch that video interview on my YouTube page at Max Whittle and you could hear the passion in his voice. You could see the passion in his eyes. He was a really nice guy, very open to talk about this issue and one that I think isn't going away and for good reason. Just a quick note, you can follow me at Max on Twitter. I've also just launched a new YouTube channel at Max Whittle. I'm going to put all my videos on there and all the films that I create. Also this podcast and a few other things will be going on there too. My next guest on the Max Whittle podcast is a true hero, literally and figuratively. He is one of the co-hosts on the Around the NFL podcast. He has battled cancer for the last 15 months and come out the other side laughing, smiling and back to his very best. Chris Wessling joins me to talk about his recovery from this terrible disease. Max Whittle at the NFL UK HQ, delighted to say I'm joined by Chris Wessling from the Around the NFL podcast. Chris, you've only been in London for a couple of days. You've already done a show on a boat and a live podcast. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm still adjusting
2: to the jet lag. The time difference has been incredible, but uh, I feel great and we've had such a good time that this is all a very pleasant experience.
0: Now many of you viewers out there that follow the NFL will know Chris was diagnosed last May with cancer, and if if I may first of all I'll ask you how you how you're feeling at the moment Chris
2: I feel spectacular even you know when chemotherapy ended in January, and by March, I was feeling really well compared to where I was you know when you're going through chemotherapy they're pumping this poison through your body so you know you don't know how your body's going to react when it's over, and um you know, LaKeisha, my fiance, was confident all along. You'll feel great. We'll be able to do things again. And I wasn't confident at all. I thought, you know, I may. What percentage of my former self would I ever be again? And I honestly feel better now than I did before I was diagnosed. Um, losing a lot of weight helped. You know, it didn't help when I was 135 pounds, but now that I'm back to 170, I feel pretty healthy. Um,
0: and and life has been good. I'm I'm happy. That's great to hear. And if I may go back to last May. What is it like when a doctor tells you you've got cancer? Uh, it's a reality check. You, um, it, it's
2: that unknowing because um, 48 hours was how long it took to hear I had cancer and then to find out if it had spread or not. So in that 48 hours, you don't know. You know, do you only have a few months left to live or, you know, it's treatable, we'll have surgery and we'll fix it. So you just don't know. And and you sort of, it's a reality check in the sense that you you could be facing the end and you have to deal with that. Um, And luckily I made it through, but you do have to sort of get your ducks in a row and deal with what um, your life has been.
0: In the first couple of weeks after the diagnosis, how hard is it not to Google everything? It wasn't hard, and I thank
2: Mark Sessler for that because he had been through a scare health-wise the year before. Um, and he just told me, you know, the information on Google isn't reliable. You're not a doctor. You, you're you not really qualified to interpret it. So Mark helped me in a big way with that. And um, just seeing things like my brother is Googling and then telling my mom, yeah, Chris is going to die because esophageal cancer is um, – it's the worst cancer you can get. So um, I feel like that that was all outdated information. And um, it, it helped me a lot just relying on my doctors and not Googling. Just put, your, put yourself in the hands of the experts. Who was the first person you told? Well, Lakeisha was there with me. And then after that, uh, I believe it was probably my mom, you know, um, back in Cincinnati. I'm sure I called her and then then uh texted the guys individually and basically said, um, let me know when you have a minute so I can call you. And then I told uh, the guys on the podcast, I called all of them one by one and told them. What was
0: their reaction? If I mean, stunned, obviously.
2: Stunned, um, almost to silence. But then, you know, each one was very supportive. You know, they were sort of gobsmacked and, you know, silent for a little bit. But as soon as the conversation got going, they were all very supportive and, you know, what can they do to help? And we'll get through this. You know That was sort of the the response of all three of the uh, other guys on the show.
0: When you were going through chemotherapy and the surgery, when you could, did you listen to around the NFL?
2: Yeah, I think the way you phrased that question, that's good. Um, there were times where either mentally or physically, I don't think I could listen to the show. Sometimes psychologically, I just I don't think I was ready to – always think about my job when I was going through it. So there were times where I didn't listen to it, but I would say I probably listened to 75 to 80% of the shows while I was, while I was out.
0: And what would go through your mind when you heard, I mean, the fourth hero is is Chris Wessling and you are are a hero after what you've been through, but what did it feel like listening? Yeah,
2: I would get, I would get really miffed that Greg was taking control of the room. (laughs) nobody was there to tell him to shut up and he's wrong. And, you know, I think Greg and I have that dynamic that, like, it's sort of like a brother. You know, when you grow up and you and your brother are always fighting and arguing and it's sort of like that one-upsmanship and you can't let the other guy have the upper hand. And as knowledgeable as Greg is about football, you know, he can – sort of exert his will over Mark and Dan at times when when the topic is about football, and I just catch myself throwing things at the phone, like, come on, you guys got to tell Greg he's full of it, you know? So I think that was that was one of the main things that I remember while I was listening. And would you text them that, that after the show? Sometimes I would. I, I, I do remember one or two times where, I, you know, we do have this text, the four of us, you know, where we text every day whatever's on our minds, and I remember a couple of times putting it out there, you're like, Greg, come on, you're full of it. I would have told you this, or I would have told you that. Um, it doesn't have the same effect on text as it does on the
0: podcast, obviously. But, but yeah, we, d- we did go over that. Chris, those are just Patriots fans. We know that, right? Um, <laughs> you're an avid reader as well, and you have this great list online that people can actually go and look at if you want a, uh, an NFL book inspiration. But was there a new book, Football or Not, that you really found useful while you were going through this?
2: Yeah, there, there was a book called Sapiens, which was um, written by a British guy, I believe, um, which seemed to be one of the most profound books I've read, uh, certainly in years. And that really it made me think a lot about life and uh, what came before us and what's coming next and then sort of our purpose in life. And then a football book, uh, you know what else? Um, seven Years in Tibet. I read that while I was going through chemotherapy, and it really hit home for me. I've always loved travel writing. That one was good. And then a football book, One More July, written by Bill Curry, former Packers center. Um, I, a lot of people know Instant Replay, written by Jerry Kramer, a different former Green Bay Packer. But I think this One More July is better uh, because Bill Curry's so smart. And, and there's a whole chapter, like it starts out on Vince Lombardi and psychology that just really captured, I think, as well as anything I've ever read, psychology and sports and how it works and um, what you have to go through to be part of a team. Um there's sort of that um military um philosophy that, that football has that you kinda of band together and all offer all for the team, you know, and I think
0: that section really captures it well. And other people in your industry I listened today to Peter King's podcast with Chris Mortensen and you have Sky Sport's very own Jeff Reinbold, Craig Sager who we lost last year. Did you meet any of those on the way and speak to those guys? I mean, Chris was, was certainly at the forefront in the NFL.
2: Yeah, Chris, uh, I believe, reached out to me and, and on Twitter a couple of times and was supportive. And um, Jeff Reinbel I met him at the Super Bowl. Mm. And we recorded a couple of minutes on you know our sort of journey through cancer together. And he was as nice as can be, and I really enjoyed meeting Jeff.
0: You were very open, very honest on social media. But was there a particular moment where you just thought this is this is not going where it should? There, there were several moments like that, but certainly the surgery was the
2: hardest part. That it was supposed to be a four-hour procedure, it took nine hours. I was in the hospital for eight days. Um, had to learn to walk again. Had to learn to get out of bed again. Um, it was a very debilitating, you know few weeks or month or, or even longer than that you know when I got out I was on an oxygen tank and a walker and it you know you sort of feel like an infant or a very elderly person like you can't really do anything for yourself you're really vulnerable and um, the just honestly the pain of going through that the physical pain uh, of the surgery itself was was incredible and then and then it gets the better you get physically you're still like psychologically fragile and mentally, um, there's a lot of hurdles you have to get through.
0: And I know that being alive is motivation number one, but did football have anything in your mind where you just fought a little bit harder to get back?
2: That's a tough question. Certainly football was on on my mind in, in the sense that I think when you go through something like that, you do think about what's your purpose in life, what are you living for? And through the podcast, I think more more than football itself, just that, people around the world are waiting to hear what the four of us or the five of us when Colleen's there have to say about football. So in that sense, you want to fight to get back and, and be on the show because people are like daily, weekly, whatever, people are relying on you or want to hear what you have to say or the four of you together, what you have to say about it. So in that
0: sense, more than football itself, I think. Who's come up to you even in this on this trip to London? What, what have people said to you? You know, last night we had the
2: live show and we we talked for hours afterwards with a lot of the people who attended or even people who just came to uh, to the pub afterwards. And, you know, I must have talked to 100 or 150 people and more than half of them wanted to talk about cancer. That somebody in their lives, you know, my best friend was going through this, my grandpa was going through this, my dad was going through this, my sister was going through this, you know, and some of them didn't make it. And, you know, Most of them did, thankfully, but to hear so many people say that it really helped me and not just helped me, but their significant other who was going through the cancer was helped by the fact that I talked about it and even the the good things that can result from cancer, like that they got a lot out of the positivity that I would talk about all like that support system and the love and, you know, being able to get through it. And it does, there is that feeling of being forged by fire, like you can become a better person. It's a fresh start. There's a new chapter in your life. And it is what you make of it. And I think a lot of people did get something out of that.
0: What did you learn about cancer that you would pass on to people?
2: Well, there's a few things. I would start by saying, like, when people talk about battling cancer or beating cancer, like, none of that really checks out to me. Like, you you don't beat it. it you sort of put your hands, put yourself in the hands of the experts and let them fight it for you. You're sort of along for the ride. And... In, in, Maybe I'm minimizing how much you have to fight because you do, but so much of it is just allowing the people who do this for a living to do what they do best and putting yourself in their hands, letting the drugs work because you're not beating cancer without drugs. Um, The medicine helps. So uh, that and I think at the end of the day, psychologically is still the hardest part for me. When when I think about whether whether people should donate to a cancer charity or a mental health charity, I almost – side on the side of mental health because cancer puts you through the ringer like that mentally that you just kind of like afterwards you're just like what did I just go through and is my mind ever
0: going to be the same again so finally Chris and I appreciate you telling us all these things what are you going to do 2018 season that's a new Chris Wrestling thing having gone through what you've gone through
2: you know I think this is the time for the four of us and the time for me personally where we're probably transitioning more away from writing and and into making sure the podcast can be as good as it can be. And I think that's probably foremost in my mind, just to make sure that we, we don't stay at the same level on the podcast that we get even better, even though we're doing well and everybody's happy that just to make sure that the podcast is forefront in our minds and keeps getting better and don't settle just because we have good chemistry. Don't rely on that. Keep watching the games, keep staying on top of it. And, um, Make sure that podcast gets... You know, I want to be the best football podcast. I don't think that's too much to
0: ask. Chris, I really appreciate your time talking about this today. Thank you. Thanks, Max. Wow. Chris was impressive. And the Around the NFL guys, credit to them, they are exactly as you hear on the podcast. Great chemistry. They really like each other, and they're really good at talking about football. I remember seeing a quote of his when he was going through this saying that he never thought he would... He didn't know whether he'd be able to get back to where he was before and he said to me before we recorded that that he feels better than he ever did and he looks great he's got a smile on his face and i really really enjoyed what he said at the end there about wanting to be the best football podcast he's got that ambition and he's striving to have the best show and it's one of the things that carried him through he said on some of the live shows during the week in London to the fans and the audience that he was, he was in front of, look, thank you for sending all those messages to me during my battle with cancer because it really helped. And, and you can see it, it really did. He loves the sport, he loves the show, and really just loves being around Mark, Dan and Greg. So credit to him, it's, it's an, he is an inspiration and it's great to see Chris back in football. So. Thank you to my guests today, Matt Forte and Chris Wesseling. And thank you to you, loyal listener, for returning to this podcast after a little break on the channel. Plenty more to come. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Max underscore Whittle. And please like and leave a review of this podcast on the Apple podcast app. See you from Boston.